Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I have a new guest with us this morning, Dr. Tyler Tolls. Tyler is our new entomologist. I guess you have technically replaced Jeff Gore. That's right. So, <laughs> Correct. Can you really replace Jeff Gore? I don't believe so. I mean, that's like following Tom Brady or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give it my best shot. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's cool. So we're going to introduce y'all to Tyler this morning. He's a local guy, but we're going to let him tell y'all some more about himself. And then we will, I guess, wrap up with some entomology on the back end. Probably not a bad idea. Tyler, you've been around and you've been around this entomology group too. So I want to know what is the most bizarre thing you've ever heard Don Cook say? (laughs) Oh man. Up to and including this morning. That's a question there. You could do it by category if that makes it easier. I'm trying to think of bizarre things Cook has said to me. Cook sayings then. Maybe I've Asked it wrong. Not necessarily bizarre, just a... Please refer to them as cookisms. A saying you associate with Don. This is a tough question. I, I can't... Now that you've hit me with it, I can't think of anything <laughs> See, Don I know even says. There, there, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many you can't sort them out. <laughs> no, you stumped me. The one that comes to my mind from recent memory is Don doing this like everybody can see me, but waving his hands in front of him and, and, and going, that's, that's here's minor the waving. deal. Minor wave. That's a minor wave. Well, here's the deal is a things. very good one. Yeah. That's a long-standing cookism. Is and not it, only that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting my feet under me here in Stonewall. We walked into uh, Cicero's the other day, and she pointed at Don and said, Water, and she pointed at me, and she said, what do you want? Said, yeah. <laughs> Don's been here a time or two. <laughs> just just that day. I don't even think Don orders. I think he, he just goes he in sits and sits down. down. And they just bring him food. He just walks through the door, and they kind of <laughs> mind meld with him and, yep, sandwich of some sort. That's I right. wish Don was in here to defend himself. You've been here just a few days, so we're happy to have you here. Welcome back. Welcome home. So why don't you take a few minutes and tell the folks that listen to us who you are and how you got to to where you are now. Yeah, so I'm originally from Greenville, Mississippi. I graduated high school at Deer Creek, and after that, when I turned 18, I went to work for Dow AgriScience in Wayside, Mississippi, and that's kind of how I got my start. I worked for Melissa Siebert, who's an entomologist with Corteva now, but she kind of fostered, you know, my my interest in small plot research and, and namely the insect side of things. So I did that from 2011 until 2016. So I had a good base when I went to grad school in 2016. And it kind of showed up already knowing what was, you know, kind of already knowing what was going on. Then I went to work for, for Angus and Jeff, who are my co-advisors. Don was on that committee and Chris Days and a couple other folks. And I worked on corn earworm emergence from corn and subsequent issues that we see in cotton. So that was kind of my grad school part of my life. Graduated in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic and started a job. I started May 1 down at LSU and I was there for three years uh, up until what I guess it was a couple weeks ago now. So that's my path to here. 
So what did you work on at LSU? My um, role down there was corn, cotton, grain, sorghum, and soybeans, and I tried to encompass, you know, all the crops and everything I did. And, and bollworm, obviously, is a big, big pest in all of those crops. So bollworms and cotton is a big thing that I've been looking at lately. Um, but obviously, the you know, the elephant in the room down there in Louisiana is red banded stink bug. Our growers were real hungry for knowledge on red bands and soybeans. So, you know, stink bugs in general became something that I worked on a lot down there. Bollworms and stink bugs have been my forte. Probably now that I'm here, it's probably going to shift heavy towards cotton, bollworm issues, resistance mainly. So working down there for three years and having worked at Corteva here for a number of years and then, of course, through grad school too, what was the biggest difference insect-wise moving from the, the delta up here to the delta slash Macon Ridge part of Louisiana? Yeah, it's it's a little bit different, and it's just it's the same as the delta in the hills here. I mean, plant bugs aren't as bad on that side of, on the on the east side of the state in Mississippi as they are on the west side, and and it's kind of similar um, in Louisiana. In Louisiana, where I was stationed at the Macon Ridge, we didn't have plant bugs as bad as we do over on the on the river. So we had to put our trials out, you know, where we could maximize that pest pressure, and from St. Joseph or, or on the river over there in Louisiana and the Macon Ridge where I was is, is eerily similar to like the delta in the hills of Mississippi um, in terms of pressure and things like that. So we learned how to maximize our pest pressure, where to put our tests and things like that. So it's, it's, it's really similar. I've worked down there and of course Don grew up there and, and has been on here bunches and bunches of times. We've had Hank Jones who lives in Winsboro. It doesn't feel like a big difference going from that Macon Ridge area off into the Delta, but it it really is. It's, you know, if you just drive down the road, you might not notice it, but if you start doing stuff, there's just a, a yeah. lot of little subtle differences and then not so subtle differences yeah. too. Well, both of those stations that I've worked on when I was down there, um, they both have their pros. If I want one thing, I'm going to one location. If I want another, I'm staying where I'm at. And just driving from one station to another, it doesn't seem like that much difference. Because even when you're on the Macon Ridge, it still it still looks like the Delta. Right. But I guess technically we don't con- consider it the Delta. What's the biggest thing that you learned down there that you can bring into this job? So being down there, especially what was great about that job, it was a great starter job where when I went down there was because primarily I was by myself. I kind of got away from being around Jeff and Don and, and Angus and them and I tried my best not to blow them up every day every time I had a question. I did a lot of uh, trial and error, figuring stuff out on my own. So now that I'm here, it's like I've gotten that early career stage out of the way, and now I'm just, you know, I, I bring a lot of just learning, knowledge, experience. We ought to hit the ground running this year. What are you looking forward to the most now that you're basically back home from a research standpoint, I mean, the family part notwithstanding? Just being back, and, and everybody knows the Delta is just kind of a it's ground zero for, for insect pest pressure and, and resistance issues. Being back here, and when we go to these meetings and I watch, you know, Jeff and Don talk about their data, and I, I get so jealous about how, how thick their pressure is insect rise. So it's, it's really exciting to get back and, and hopefully have plenty of bugs to work on when I'm here. I know that's probably not what our growers like to hear, but that's how it is, you know, you, you're in a place like this and you don't ever have to worry about getting pressure in a test. 
So I think that's what I'm most excited about. Set up for success here. You could have, you have everything you could ask for on the station already. You look at how Don runs things, and they still they still do some planting some particular cover crops right. and specific species to get some of those things in their plots, which I've always I've always looked at and been jealous of as a plant pathologist because it doesn't work like that for what we do. You right. kind of hope that the environment plays into the situation, and it does that probably from a from an insect standpoint as well. If there are things we can't get on the station, I've got just from being around in grad school and speaking at the at the consultants association meeting, it's like I've met plenty of folks that getting you know getting locations off off site is not going to be an issue. I've, you know the consultants of the state are great to work with, and I know that, so I will definitely use them to my advantage. They're a super easy and friendly group to work with. I mean that's that's always been how I have felt as well. I mean, they're definitely willing and they're, they're so willing to learn and they realize that doing those trials together across disciplines and then even between the university and their organization is not just helpful for their learning, but it's helpful for the farmers. Right. And I learned that in Louisiana, my guys were, were eager to work with me. You know, they would find issues and call me about it and have me come out, you know, and, and put stuff out. So that was like a, you know, that's a, big part of uh, of us being successful is having that relationship with the consultants and the growers that's a great group of consultants in louisiana too yeah they are and and in different parts of the state too i mean i'm working i worked primarily south louisiana and and there was a great group down there too and then i know some of the guys from north louisiana from being here and them you know coming to the short course and things like that so that's a great group too well and when you talk about it from a standpoint of the whole resistant management scheme or set of strategies i think working with that group is even more important moving forward because they have the ability to look at some things across a larger geography over a period of time and those repeated visits over a summer is really important to see how those products applied work and which things it benefits and which things might be standing out that it's not doing anything against those anymore. And Yeah, and it's important that, that they see that stuff happen in real time. They, you know, because they're the ones at stake here, the growers, and, and they are the ones that really need to know all that information. And if they can see it firsthand, I think it's even more, you know, it's even more beneficial. Well, and you can only be in one place at one time, too, and you can only you know see one thing at a time. So right. if you're in a, a period of the year where you're focused on getting plot work done, you know that's what you see, and then you can kind of rely on them as being your eyes and ears out at, up and down the road, what's going on in different parts of the state. Having those relationships with with the consultants, that's always been very beneficial for me. Just knowing what's going on in different parts of the state. And then there, I've got a handful of those guys. Sometimes they just call and check in. I don't even really go soliciting information from them. They just maybe driving down the road or something, call and chat and just tell you what they're seeing in their part of the state. Right. And I've been on both sides of that because I call my guys when I was down in Louisiana and ask them what they're seeing, you know, and they'll call me and they'll tell me what they're seeing. So uh, that having that relationship is integral to know what's going on across the state because when somebody calls, you want to know before the even questions even asked. You want to know what's going on. That's know. right. Well, and sticking those things in the back of your mind definitely then ultimately will lead to some of those research efforts, not only to train graduate students but to see how things work and then get you set up for any of those meeting presentations is 
super helpful. It has been for me and right. continues to be. Yeah, and that research and extension is hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And and I hate to be the person that says this. I've said it before. haven't said it on this podcast, but if anything's going to happen from a resistance specific issue within our pest populations, it's more than likely going to happen in this general part of the country first, just based upon when we plant things in our general environment and all the rest of that. And pest pressure is pretty intense here for yeah. everything that we deal and with. And that's why the Delta is so enticing to work in uh, from an entomologist standpoint, and probably weed scientist and a pathology oh, standpoint. It's, it's just, like I said, it's, it's ground zero for resistance issues. It's the most incredible spot to be from a pathology standpoint because it stays so wet and... You know, I, I just, I, I can't say that enough. And when I go to meetings, when people talk about it, they see a couple of spots. I'm like, man, you ain't seen nothing. Yeah. That's, that's why I've always heard Jeff say how he ended up at USDA when he got out of LSU was he wanted to work. This is where he wanted to work. And that was the, the job that was available at the time you know, because, I, but because it's such a good place to do entomology work. He told me, I think at one point, that he was even considering going to some other parts of the country to do his Ph.D., and then he really just decided that why would I do that if I want to work in cotton and I want to work in cotton entomology and I want to be an entomologist, this would be the best place to be. So I'm just going to stick around here. So Tyler, starting 1st of April – I mean, you're catching right at the, the early part of the growing season when we had corn in. On a short turnaround, you know, moving and starting right at the, the beginning of the season, what plans do you have moving into the 2023 crop year? Part of the research I want to continue working on was some of that that kind of, you know, we came up with a bunch of stuff when we worked on my dissertation with this corn and cotton and this BT resistance. You know, that's we've kind of determined that, the reason we've got BT resistance to bollworms and cotton is because of corn. So, you know, Don and I are going to work pretty closely on some of this this uh, BT corn stuff and, and refuge strategies and things like that that we can do to uh, further delay that resistance. Uh, mainly what I want to focus on, though, is in cotton because, and you guys know this, when, when companies come out with something new, they sink a lot of money into this, you know, research and development and you know, our job is to make sure that that stuff lasts as long as possible for growers. I think uh, one of the big focuses we need to be looking at right now is BT resistance uh, and, and delaying that resistance because we don't see anything coming anytime soon. Um, and realistically, and our guys know this, you know, when we're spraying cotton, there's you got a handful of products. And when I say a handful, I mean two or three. And most folks are going to use one. So we have to also make sure that, that those products are being stewarded to the best of their ability. So we're going to focus primarily and heavily on, on cotton and bollworms. And, of course, I'll be working with Whitney and Don on their stuff. You know, Whitney's really leading the charge in Mississippi for tarnished plant bugs, and this is a great tarnished plant bug location. When I, of course, we've got several graduate students, and I'm bringing one with me from, from LSU who's working on Thrive On, and we've got several students here working on Thrive On. So... We've got um, we've got plenty of cotton to be getting in the ground as soon as, as soon as it gets dry and it gets warm. We're gonna hit the ground running from you know from cotton standpoint. So what's your feeling on Thrive On? Y'all still optimistic? Still optimistic on Thrive On, and our whole Mid South group is is hitting this Thrive On pretty hard. Everybody's looking at it. And we're all doing stuff. We're still trying to figure out whether or not you know our current thresholds are are going to be adequate or if we need to change it. You know, from a thrip standpoint, we know that. We're not recommending anything. Foliar sprays. A lot of guys see that 
sandblasting or herbicide injury, and you know they they correlate it to thrips, things like that. That's just that's just going to come with continued education, you know. So that's something we're also you know cognizant of. But from a tarnished plant bug standpoint, we're really optimistic. Uh, I think it brings a lot of value to the table, um, especially in areas where you need it. But obviously, you know, what we need to kind of figure out is um, economically, where is it going to fit in? Because obviously it's going to be a pretty expensive product. Moving forward, do you, you plan to continue to foster that graduate education effort that's been so strong in this state? Yeah, and, and that's, that's really important to me. And it was important to me at LSU as well. I'm a kid from Mississippi who was trained in Mississippi, and I think that's really important. Training the next generation of us is, is incredibly important to me. So continuing on with the students we have, we've got a great group of students, and I'm really excited to uh, get involved with their projects and, and be around them more and, and train them more. You know, I'm real excited about getting here and working with all these students we have. That's one thing I've always admired about State is they have so many graduate students, and that's, you know, that's a testament to Angus and Jeff and Don um, and Whitney now. It's a great place to go through graduate school. I can say that from experience. Oh, well, I think those of us that are here can say it's a, that's been the, the big push since Jason and I got here. I mean, when we got on this experiment station, there were a few graduate students, and now look around. There's a herd of them. Yeah, I don't even know how many there is now. I'll tell you, across you know, entomology, pathology, weed science, agronomy, there's yeah, there's got to be there's, a dozen or more. Yeah, absolutely. I Definitely more than 12. Yeah. But yeah. I, I can't keep track anymore. And if you take a look at our Mid-South Entomology group, it's like 99% of the people that are in these um, extension and research roles throughout the Mid-South have been at state at some point in their advanced uh, degree career. All but I think maybe one. Well, Tyler, we're glad you're here, man. Welcome home. And we look forward to working with you. I know Don is and, and Whitney is too. And, and Jeff as well. I know we teased about you replacing Jeff, but Jeff's still here and certainly still an asset to entomology in the state too. So uh, good luck to you, and, and we'll have you back on here as the weather heats up a little bit more and the bugs start moving. It's good to be back, and I appreciate y'all uh, having me on. Thanks, man. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. Extension.